Hello, all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to be reviewing the new Netflix film, Red Notice. All right, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for Red Notice? Sure. An Interpol agent tracks the world's most wanted art thief. All right. And in sweet tradition, our one-sentence summaries for Red Notice. Uh, mine is Ryan Reynolds doing his best Harrison Ford impression. <laughs> oh, yeah. he He's doing what Ryan Reynolds does. <laughs> he, he is. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Well, my summary is this movie proves charisma sells, but it's too flimsy to carry the show. Ooh, that's really good. <laughs> well done. That, okay. that encompasses this movie quite well. I mean, I'm, what else needs to be said? I'm intrigued how you feel about this movie. Um, let's start off with initial, initial thoughts. You know, I uh, I didn't hate this while watching it, um, which is is pretty good for a Netflix film. Yes. Let's just be honest here. Um, but the more that I've thought about it, the more annoyed with it I have become. <laughs> Which is not really the direction that you want a movie to go after you've finished watching it. Um, I mean, you really summed it up well in your summary. It uh, There's just nothing there. And yeah. it's... I read that it's the 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 this is the highest yes. budget film that Netflix mm-hmm. has done so far, and after I read that, I just thought to myself, for what? Like, why did you waste all of that money on this? Mm-hmm. So I think there are many problems with this film. It could have been a lot worse. Okay, yes. so this is like mid tier Netflix is <laughs> is where we are. But I, the characters are are boring. The actors have no chemistry with one another. Yeah. The story is not interesting. The I mean, there was a bunch of CGI that was overused that looked awful. <laughs> I just and and I I enjoy Ryan Reynolds. I think he's really funny. But there mm-hmm. were even points where I went, you know, it's too much for me. So <laughs> not great. <laughs> Didn't hate it, but it's not great. Mid-tier is a, is a good place mm-hmm. to put this. Yeah. Um, it was fine. And that's, that's <laughs> yep. never great. Um, this movie will be one that I think we will look back in a year, two years, and be like, oh, what was that movie about? I forgot we removed that. Um, at first, th- when the movie ended, I thought to myself, what what will we talk about for an hour about? Right. <laughs> um, I think there are some things that we can definitely talk about from a plot perspective. We'll do our classic, let's figure out how to rewrite this movie so it's more interesting. But I also think there's a whole topic we can dive into on um, this being apparently on track to be one of the most viewed in the in, in terms of number of hours movies in Netflix history, um, which they today just released 
this new site where they are sharing the number of hours that people have spent watching um, films and specifically their top 10 films, whatever that top 10 list is for the week, which is fascinating. So apparently a ton of people are watching this. Um, it is on track to apparently dethrone Bird Box, uh, which had 20, 282 million hours viewed. This one has oh only in the like first couple of days um, already had 148.7 million hours globally uh, for Red Notice. So wow. clearly people are watching this. I'm not surprised. I mean, it's, it's star-studded, all of that. Um, but that's a whole topic that we should dive into because it's fascinating to see the way that this movie that a lot of other critics are also not loving – is still getting a lot of attention. Um, and that dissonance is fascinating in the streaming space. And I'm sure we will have many thoughts about it. I, okay, so for, I don't know, years, we've been like, Netflix, we want to see the data on this. <laughs> but now that it's here, I'm also slightly terrified and I don't want to look at this website. <laughs> <laughs> they, it's pretty robust how much information they're sharing. I'm actually quite surprised. Hmm. Um, they are sharing it for both TV shows, um, for the films. There's separate lists for those. There's English and non-English lists. Um, they also are sharing by specific countries what the top 10 lists are. Granted, they're not sharing all of the data for all the films. They're only sharing what it is for the top 10. Um, and they've also said publicly at least that they will occasionally update the top 10 list of all time uh number of total hours uh, for people to to be aware of i guess i don't know it's it's fascinating mm. i'm curious yeah. the decision behind being so transparent um but i've also read about how they've shifted their primary success metric from views to number of hours watched um which is mm. fascinating because I think this is a conversation we've had in the past. We've, we've, you know, like chatted about how do they determine engagement? Is it if someone watches for say two minutes and clicks out, does that count? Um, so it seems like they're moving towards this model of prolonged engagement um, instead of kind of initial discoverability and just a click in and out is no longer um, as important to them as like sustained engagement and eyeballs. And I would be curious to see if the run times then mm. extend because this movie was nearly two hours long. And yeah. I mean, it shouldn't have been made. <laughs> let's just be honest. But it shouldn't have been two hours long. This should have been a 90 minute movie. So yeah, I, I also wonder if they're changing that metric, if that will factor into the length of their shows mm. and movies going forward. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case mm -hmm. because the adv advantages of having a shorter film from like the studio theater perspective um, no longer is applicable in the streaming space because they don't need to turn around movies that quickly. Um, the disadvantages of having like a three hour long The Irishman um, movie is not as big of a deal in the streaming space. In the theater space, they can't turn around show times as fast. If people are, you know, can, they can take a break, which you and I did in The Irishman, you know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it becomes more of like a three-part series and each episode is an hour long. Um, so that's, that's, that's interesting. 
we should, yeah, we'll definitely be observing that trend. I feel like we're already getting longer and longer movies, which I know you have many feels about. We are. And I would <laughs> like off. more 90-minute films, please. Like, okay, so The Irishman is an anomaly because yes. that was a three-and-a-half-hour long movie that didn't feel that long. Like, you yeah. needed all of that time. And I trust Martin Scorsese to make the right choice. Mm-hmm. And he did. You know, same thing with Endgame. I was dreading a three-hour-long film, and it was really, really well done how they did it. That's acceptable. But, like, Mm -hmm. I don't need two hours of red notice trash. Like, no, (laughs) 90 minutes is sufficient. If you cannot tell me a story in 90 minutes, what is wrong with you? I need you to cut Mm -hmm. some things. I need you to make it better. (sighs) But it's fine. Whatever. (laughs) Netflix, you're making all the Uh money, so do what you want. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... It's fascinating because the the metric is is useful, but it doesn't actually reflect how people felt about their their two hour long viewing experience, right? Like mm-hmm. in yeah. the in the world of tech or user experience design, people clicking on a page revisiting consistently feels like a successful metric because there's engagement. But if they'd had paid from experience, that's not reflected in the metric. Um, so it's it's the fact that there is such a dissonance between the way that the film world has received Red Notice, and I don't know actually what most the like the mass population feels about this movie. Probably need to go to Twitter or somewhere <laughs> to figure that out. Um, but the fact that this isn't a great movie and yet is on track to be one of the most watched movies on Netflix ever just kind of blows my mind a little bit, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I I mean it's it's a trend that that's always been there. I mean, you know, the big like summer blockbusters and yeah. it would rake in all the money and the critics would be like, "But it's trash, don't watch this, but it's good fun." So people watched it anyway. Mm. But I I think what's unfortunate about this is that this isn't even fun. Like <laughs> there there are moments of fun like that first chase through the museum I had a great time I was like oh my gosh maybe this won't be trash and then it went downhill from there Mm -hmm. so I I think that's what is kind of frustrating especially about Netflix and I have such a bone to pick with Netflix of all the streaming services because (laughs) they just produce terrible movies it's it's what they do because they're just churning out so much so quickly there's yeah. not all of those levels of people to check and make sure that it's good and it's of an acceptable quality to be put out. And I mean, bureaucratic red tape sucks, but mm. also you don't want to produce trash. And it's just, I, I hate that these bad movies, they're not even considered bad by a lot of people. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, that was another thing. And we just move on to the next thing that we can stream rather yeah. than actually going, you know what? That wasn't good. I'm mm-hmm. not going to engage with that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very frustrated with Netflix. And this isn't even the worst thing that they've <laughs> produced, but it just goes to the point of Netflix, once again, using its powers for evil. So that was a quick turnaround from our from the harder they fall. Yeah. Where yeah, we we were given Netflix some sprays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I agree. It was it's it's an interesting thought exercise to think about what this film would look like if it was actually um, 
set for like a theatrical release. This film in a lot of ways felt very rough around the edges. Um, A lot of the timing of certain scenes fell off with the comedic timing and the pacing. Um, You mentioned the CGI, which doesn't look great. It just, it felt uh, rough around the edges. And I think the bar for people's expectations when they pay $15 to $18 to go see a movie is often much higher. And so it feels like the bar is lower. They can turn this out. I think, um, you know, it's a weekday night relaxing movie to throw on and you kind of move on to the next thing. So your point around Netflix taking the quantity approach and kind of churning out content versus churning out quality content, um, which kind of the theater model by default uh, requires a certain bar to be hit. is definitely changing the landscape a lot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, granted, not every theatrical release is incredible, no. obviously, <laughs> but God, it's just better than this trash, but yeah. it's okay. Okay. I'm going to stop complaining about Netflix now. <laughs> so uh, what do you want to talk about, about this film in particular? Well, before we shift gears really quickly, I just had a really interesting data point. So I mentioned um, that so far, at least, Red Notice has garnered 148 million hours globally. Red Box was 282 million hours. Squid Game, the first season of Squid Game, has gotten 1.6 billion hours viewed. Granted, there are many more hours of that, but just the scale of that is mind-boggling. And I just want to share that statistic because it blew my mind. That is that is such a big number that <laughs> Can't even it's kind it. of breaking my brain right now. Yep. Does it does it show you that many hours over that many viewers? No, it doesn't. Okay. So yeah, because that would be say, what I would be interested in too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if one user logs in and watches a two-hour movie three times, they will count that as six hours. Mm-hmm. But still, wild. That's wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. I almost want to do the math to like normalize that um, with like just total number of views of a season and a two-hour movie, and like figure out the math of that to compare. But regardless, one point six billion hours globally, mind-boggling. All right, come on, Squid Game. <laughs> yes, a Korean dystopian. Yeah thing i haven't watched Foreign language it. <laughs> tv show crazy i know that's awesome though yeah. that's so cool yeah really wow neat. see again this is a moment where netflix can <laughs> use its powers for good and show something that has gripped the world and it's in a language other than english that yeah. is incredible yep it's it's pretty wild pretty wild okay so Red Notice, what do we want to start with in this movie? Oh, gosh. I I don't even know. Let's talk about the chemistry on screen. Yeah. Because I think that's something that you've mentioned already. I was surprised at how little chemistry these very charismatic uh, actors and actresses had with each other. Um, I have not seen Hobbs and Shaw. I think you've seen it, Sarah. Yeah, I did. But I've heard that Ryan Reynolds and The Rock are just like really fantastic 
in that movie. I think like Ryan Reynolds makes a cameo at some point. But I would have expected that those two would naturally have this like um, really great buddy-buddy dynamic. And maybe it's the the way that it was shot and the directing in this film that just like didn't draw that out from them. But that was surprising to me. I didn't expect uh, these three stars to not gel on screen. It felt very awkward in a lot of scenes. And because there are so many jokes being thrown around back and forth, it feels even more awkward because they don't land well and the timing is a little bit off. So for the whole movie, I was it just felt off. And I was surprised by that, by the lack of chemistry. Yeah, I think... I think uh, there are a few problems with this. One of them being, um, I think Ryan Reynolds has almost just become a caricature for himself. And that's kind of unfortunate. Like he took off so much in the Deadpool series. And I think that's kind of his downfall in a way, because now he's just trying to like replicate that over and over and over again. And it doesn't always work. Like it, it feels like somebody who's really funny, but they don't know when to stop. And then it like stops being funny because they just keep going with the joke, but nobody's laughing. And that's exactly how it feels. I'm dead. That is a fantastic description. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It It's a lot. He kind of gets annoying. <laughs> he does. But it's endearing. And- but he's such an endearing mm-hmm. person and like human in general that you're like, oh, but it's Ryan Reynolds. You know, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it gets to be a lot. Every scene, everything that comes mm-hmm. out of his mouth is some snarky comment. And I, so then that <laughs> is a perfect segue into the other problem that I think there is, is that uh-huh. Ryan Reynolds and then I think The Rock also, and then to a lesser extent, Gal Gadot, they are all themselves. Like when I watch yeah. a movie with Ryan Reynolds in it, I'm not watching a character. I'm watching Ryan Reynolds. When I watch The Rock in a movie, I'm not watching a character. I'm just <laughs> watching The Rock. And like Gal Gadot to a different level, you know, but still I'm like, oh, it's Gal Gadot. I don't think that she's a yeah. character. So iconic. And it's okay if you have like one person like that in a movie, but I don't know about three as your stars where I just, I don't see a character, I see the actor, you know? And so I think that's also a big part of the problem. They should have had, honestly, lesser known actors. It would have cost them a ton less money too, because they were all paid like 20 million for this, like, which is just bonkers to me. But I think if they had had different actors who are maybe lesser known, uh, it could have worked better because they're just such big stars and mm-hmm. it, it yeah. almost felt like a, like a competition rather than these characters actually going through this story. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And I think the funniest parts of the movie are when they're making fun of their own personal brands. Yes. I got a kick out of those. Those were great. You know, <laughs> The Rock getting in the car and you're like, oh, Fast and Furious, let's freaking go. And then they kind of cut that short. Like all of those beats were great when they were almost self-aware or it was written to the script for them um, in making fun of themselves. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you. I think this would have been a more effective film with potentially lesser known big shots. Um, or at least actors that have less iconic uh, personal brands to shake off. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
arguably this pro- film probably would have gotten so many less um, eyeballs on it. Oh, yeah. You know, like a lot, a lot of the marketing power for this movie is the fact that you see the three of them on the splash image and you're like, well, we got to watch it, you know, <laughs> like, um, which is kind of unfortunate that that's the case. The movie is less effective, um, but potentially more marketable this way. It's tough. Yep. Sure is. And I mean, honestly, that was why we watched it too. Yep. It was just like, whoa, what is this with those three actors in it? Mm -hmm. Like, what? I think there could have been a version of this movie that potentially leaned into the fact that these are three iconic um, actors and actresses and kind of played into that a little bit more. They do it a little bit with some of those moments where they're kind of making fun of themselves. And... I think they could have had more fun with that. This movie almost, especially in the emotional moments, which I'm sure we'll talk about, like was a little bit too self-serious in certain parts where you're like, "Ah, just lean into the fact this is a total romp. Everyone's here to just see these iconic people do Mm -hmm. their thing and be charming and charismatic. And we're just, we're here for the 90 minutes, you know? Yes. Um, there's There's a version of this movie that potentially is a little bit lighter and kind of, more ridiculous than it actually was oh yeah yeah totally and I mean if you cut the emotional stuff which added nothing then you would have gotten down to a 90 minute film Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it probably would have been better because I I don't know I I I know that the emotional stuff was trying to get us to like empathize with them but you've already positioned them as the protagonists and the Interpol agent is the antagonist. So I really didn't need any more than that. It was just like, like you said, this is just going to be a fun romp. We're going on an adventure. We have a buddy cop situation going on here, even though neither are cops, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's it. We didn't need any of that other foolishness about their dads. and. I don't know. They're, if they wanted that in there, I feel like there's a lot more elegant way of handling it rather than just constantly bringing up their daddy issues. I'm like, that, that's not fun for me. Like, let's just keep it moving, folks. They're already, like, we're already going to be rooting for them. You know, yeah. you don't have to do much at all. Just put them in there. They could be freaking assholes for the whole movie and we'd still be rooting for them, you know? <laughs> It's true. Like committing murder. We're like, hell yeah, it's The Rock and Ryan Reynolds. They're, they're already so lovable. Um, you're right. The daddy issue scenes were painful to watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was so uncomfortable. And it, it was a tonal shift that like yeah. felt really unexpected. But then it also was woven in with like um, a lighthearted like end of their conversations and all of those. Like they're cracking jokes by the end. We just couldn't take it seriously. Uh, but, but you're also like, these are, you know, like important topics and this is real for some people. So uh, I just felt very conflicted about how I was supposed to feel. So I just felt uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. And yeah, those were just painful, painful moments. And I just, and- I was wondering the whole time, like, why did we need this? Why are you torturing us with this scene? Yeah. (laughs) And it comes up multiple times. Well, I guess it's the thread that they're wanting to to weave, but 
it comes up it comes up like at least two or three times in this movie mm-hmm. um yeah and i think that's supposed to be the thing that they are bonding over that then you know helps them become a better team we didn't need it Mm-mm. no because that part out it wasn't effective Uh, the parts that I found some joy in, it's honestly just a lesser, well-done version than Ocean's Eleven, but all of the heist Mm -hmm. pieces, um, were fun. They were fine. They were not as fun as Ocean's Eleven. I'd rather watch that movie. Oh, yeah. Any of the other movies. (laughs) Um, but, you know, like, I think those could have... They either need to lean into the heist pieces a little bit more or, as I mentioned before, make it more ridiculous. Like, it was almost this weird um, straddle between we're kind of going to do an interesting process heist movie section, um, but didn't lean into it enough for to be for that to be satisfying. So I was kind of left wanting more. Um, there were some interesting things that they wove in with like deep fake technology and all that kind of stuff that was interesting from, you know, the fact that technology's improved since the Oceans movies and like all of the other iconic heist movies have come out. But I wanted more. I wanted more or I wanted it to be ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) That probably sums up my thoughts Mm -hmm. about this movie in general. I wanted more or just be more ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Sounds about right. But then, like, it went from this kind of, and I, I agree, the the heist moments were the most interesting parts. The I loved the museum bit, and then them in uh, that house trying to steal the egg. Excellent. But then it devolved into this wannabe Indiana Jones situation. And the... The threads that tied all of that together were so thin and everything was so seemingly random that I really, really struggled. And I was like, okay, you you torture me with these daddy issues. You got Ryan Reynolds doing Ryan Reynolds just out of control. And you couldn't like trim any of that to make you getting to Argentina to find an egg more substantial. You just were like, oh, yeah, my dad was also into this and I got his watch and one day I broke it and whoa, I solved the whole mystery because I got angry. <laughs> like, no, I'm, I need more than that. I know so that true. it's a whole, I know that it's I a MacGuffin, I understand, but like, my God, if you're going to take me on the adventure, I need you to do better. <laughs> That's true. The revelation just strikes him at the perfect moment. He also just magically knew to fix the watch because it would be needed to open the thing. (laughs) (laughs) All very convenient plot writing. Yeah, that was rough. I forgot about that. (laughs) That's pretty bad. (laughs) But there's so many moments like that in this movie Mm -hmm. that – I think by that part, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, the watch. <laughs> it's magically there. It's the exact thing that you needed to solve this code. Yes. And it's yep. also the exact thing that your dad was obsessed with that uh, he chose over you because emotional moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and you channeled right. all of that into finding the thing 
that he loved more than you. Okay, that's cool. Do what you want with your life. And oh, the rock just happened to chuck something. I forget what he chucked onto the ground. That oh, then, the compass. That meant that they were on top. Also, okay, I wrote this down in my notes, and I wasn't going to go here, but now we're here. Let's go there. <laughs> they were standing on the bunker that was covered with a thin layer of sod or dirt or something you're gonna feel different when you walk on that like there wasn't it wasn't (laughs) like there was like three feet of dirt that they had to dig through to get to the bunker it was like oh let me just lightly dust this off oh bunker (laughs) wow no that is not how things work (laughs) in their 200 million dollar budget the extra three <laughs> feet of dirt could not be purchased for this. <laughs> no, no, it couldn't. They did too much CGI, oh so they gosh. couldn't afford to make the bunker hidden better. That's so true. <laughs> also, it didn't look very old. No, it, it didn't. Quite nice. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I did appreciate, though, when they turned on the electricity, and then Ryan Reynolds made a joke about it, and then they had the foresight to make the rock explain that it was hydroelectric power. Like, thank you for including that detail in there. <laughs> it was just so, like, random. But it's like, okay, well, at least you were trying to think some of these things through. It was for, for viewers like you. Yes, yes, <laughs> it was. The question. Because I did have questions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was rough. Yep. That, I forgot about that. Yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Um, I think the whole party scene at um, Boches something something Italian name, <laughs> that was the part that made me think so much of the Oceans um, series. And I think they did a, like okay job with it. You know, I don't have any major complaints with it. Um, there were some good jokes in there with The Rock and um, – his behavioral analysis of uh, the guy, the host's inferiority complex. Like, I would say that was one of the more effective sequences of the movie, relatively. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it, it was it was interesting. But like you and I both really enjoy process, so there was a little bit of that process in there. It wasn't like you said; it wasn't as good as the Ocean's films. That's okay, but it was it was entertaining enough, and I wanted to know how they were going to break in. And I also wanted to know how Gal Gadot's character was going to steal the egg before them. So Mm -hmm. it was just interesting to see all the pieces and wonder how they were all going to come together. So yeah, that was one of the more interesting parts of the film. Yep. And there were some good twists and turns along the way there. Speaking Mm -hmm. of, what did you think about the many twists and turns on loyalties, who's working with who, all of that kind of stuff? Did that work for you? I wanted it to be done better, basically. <laughs> it's it's always interesting when you have people with shifting loyalties and changing sides and backstabbing and betrayal. Like, that is fascinating stuff. It just wasn't handled well in this film. And I don't think that we were uh, maybe emotionally connected to any character enough to feel the sting of any of the betrayals that happened. So yeah. it was just like, yep. oh, that happened. Whoop-de-doo. Like, yeah. Which is not the reaction you're supposed to have. 
Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think the the initial reveal of um, Gal Gadot working with the Italian man was interesting. Didn't see that coming. I don't know. Maybe you did. You often see these things coming. Um, but I thought that was an interesting twist. The final twist of um, The Rock working with Gal Gadot, I'm like, okay. Like, I'm surprised, but it was kind of a cheap surprise. Uh, there were no – I mean, it was like a total left turn. Um, I think that could have been played up to be far more interesting and exciting to see all of the ways that they were working together. I think they give give us a few little flashbacks there, but that could have been far more exciting and gleeful than of a moment than it actually was. Yeah, because I think you would have had to have set up Gal Gadot's character as something larger than life. Because like mm-hmm. one of the things that I kept thinking while watching this was why is The Rock so hell-bent on finding her? Like, that doesn't make Mm. sense. And why does he need Ryan Reynolds in order to find her? Like, it just, it felt illogical. Like, this is (laughs) a terrible plan. I I just, I was. The whole time I was going, The Rock, this doesn't make sense. And you were Um, rewarded for that, though. I was rewarded. It was quite nice. But so I I really wish that they had built up the bishop as this like criminal mastermind and have this whole like mythos around the bishop and like, ooh, who is it almost? And 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 then make then that would make that that reveal make more sense because they even reference it. Like, I think it is the rock that says like, oh, she has to have a partner. So then mm. her partnering with Voce was the the red herring for that. But I don't know. They could have built it up even more to make it make sense. And, I don't, and, and then I think you would also need Ryan Reynolds' character to not be Ryan Reynolds, basically. And <laughs> actually have serious moments. Because, like, every time he was like, oh, you love me. We're best friends. Like, it's... It's joking, it's funny, it's lighthearted. But like if you actually see this like deep emotional connection and then that's broken when it's revealed that whoa, he is actually part of this criminal enterprise, like then that would have had some weight mm-hmm. and that would have been way more mm-hmm. interesting than this like oh, y'all are together. Okay, I'm going to be handcuffed to a tree now and just make jokes to the tree. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It felt like a denouement instead of the climax. Yeah. Yep. You know, like it, like a lot of the emotional excitement of getting the egg and all that kind of stuff felt like it was over. And here's this oh this little detail we've actually been working together the whole time. Um, didn't felt didn't feel like there were stakes enough stakes for them that that was exciting enough. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Your rewrite would be a different movie. It would be <laughs> a very different movie. One. Yeah, <laughs> but that would be exciting. That would have been more interesting. And I, again, I think some of the star power is an issue in this because if it were me, <sighs> yeah. I would have had Gal Gadot's character not revealed for the longest time. And, but that means that you wouldn't be able to use her on your movie poster, in the trailer, any of the marketing material. And so then that makes 
then there's less of a draw to come see this. But it, it almost made me think of uh, in the first Mission Impossible, there is this this villain named Max, and they're always talking about like, oh Max, and we need to we need to find Max, and it's this whole thing, and then finally they meet Max, and it's a woman. And it's this huge, like, surprise, like, whoa, oh my gosh, a woman is running this criminal thing. And I really wish they had done that here. Like, when The Rock and Ryan Reynolds were talking about the bishop in prison, and they they referred to her as she, I was like, ah, crap. That was just such a missed opportunity to make the bishop just shrouded in mystery and, like, whoa, who is this person that they're up against? Who framed The Rock? And like forced him to go into this prison. Whoa, this is like some badass dude. And then to mm-hmm. for it to be revealed Next, that it's yeah. Gal Gadot. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we either need the absolute ridiculous version of this yes. or we need the really thrilling movie <laughs> as heck, like um twist and turns version of this. Yeah. And we no, nowhere it. in the middle. Yep. I mean, Gal Gadot is there to be charming and appealing to look at let's be real yep that's it that's her role and she does it very well (laughs) but i feel like there there could have been more to that character um but i think she's she's there for the i mean she's really there for the fluff you know which is a shame and that's so like while i was watching i was i i went along with it but as i've thought Mm. about it more the thing that's really made me angry (laughs) is her character. And like Gal Gadot is a good actress. And, and we, we see that in this, especially like the way that she, she fights and she's a very physical actress and she's great at that. Um, And I do like that they showcase that, but the fact that you have a female lead and we don't know her name, we know nothing about her other than she is a master art thief she's a master criminal yeah that's all we get and i'm just like that was such a shame when we have to suffer through all of this backstory for the two men and we can't get a few minutes on this female character who is just kicking ass and dominating this whole film i was very frustrated by that (laughs) She's also masterful at what she does. Yes. And highly creative and effective. She's the best. I mean, she is the best uh, for sure arts thief in the world in this movie. She's crafty as hell and knows mm-hmm. how to use her networks. But I mean, she's there. It's a shame. She's there for the fluff. Yep. And in almost every scene, she is in something that is male gazing, um, which. Yep. I feel conflicted about because, I mean, on one hand, it, you know, she's there to be looked at. On the other hand, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, maybe maybe she knew what she was signing up for. I don't know. I wonder how she feels about it, you know? I mean, she's in this movie. And she made a shit ton of money doing it. So yeah. I would imagine that she probably doesn't feel too bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it is it is unfortunate, especially because we've seen so many other films handle things like this just so much better. Like yeah. it's not hard to give a female character, I don't know, a name or um a backstory 
or uh, I don't know, clothing that she can move in. I mean, these are not high bars that we're setting. Here. <laughs> it's very, very low. And yeah. yet we still can't seem to clear them all that often. No. Yep. And I think, yeah, you, you bring up a really good point, which is that it's not that she is um, there rocking a like gorgeous red dress. It's the fact that that is the only thing that she has. Like there is no, no mm-hmm. other context that we have um, for who this person is other than that. Um, that in and of itself is not a big deal. It's great. She looks fantastic. She looks incredible. She She's able to move and fight in that in incredible ways. Um, but it's the fact that there's not more to it. Yeah. She's very charming. She's She does the charisma, the mm-hmm. winking thing, all of that. Um, the smug, like, badassness. She does all that great. Yep. You know, it would have been more fun to just follow her throughout this whole film and just see her like being competent and wonderful and just kind of like laughing at these two yahoos as they're just struggling. That would have been a much more entertaining movie. We want the process movie for the bishop and we want this movie from the bishop's perspective. Absolutely. Two incompetent. Yeah, dudes. Yeah. Figure it out. That'd be so much better. And always one step behind her. Yes. See, and I, I don't know. That's like one of the satisfying things about a a heist movie is that you have the you you have the the inspector who always shows up just a step after the the thief that you're following, and then that makes you love the thief even more. So it's kind of annoying that in this film, the protagonists that we're following sucked so bad that they failed. <laughs> Every time she beat them to it. So why weren't we following her? She was clearly the better character. I, I'm here for that. Yes. <laughs> we want the other perspective of this movie. Yes, we do. You know, expand the Red Notice universe, please. Which, let's talk about the unashamed setup for the sequel that this movie does. <laughs> I, you know, I love that they are no BS. They're like, we are going to set this up and tee it up right into your lap, folks. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> We're not even trying to be subtle. Yeah, I just I, – I fear that we will get a sequel because – Definitely will with how, how many oh hours this movie is being just, watched globally. Why, though? Why would you waste so much money on a first movie that sucked and then have to waste – so much money again to even <laughs> like i don't know match the same level of crap that you got in the first one why would you waste your money doing that it it makes no sense at all but it's probably what we're going to get yeah and it probably will do fantastic oh i'm sure it will do swimmingly maybe it'll be better you know i love <laughs> in most cases okay in most cases the first movie's great. They do a sequel. It's worse. In this case, the first one was so fine, fine being <laughs> mediocre, that maybe there's room to be better. You know what I'm saying? I really, I love your positivity, and I'm going to let you have that. And I'm just going to be a dark storm cloud over here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see who directs the next one. That'll be telling. Yeah. Yeah. We will see. We shall. Although, 
they set it up that the three of them are working together now. Which, I mean, I guess it makes sense because they've, they've already exhausted the whole, like, dynamics between the three of them. But I don't know. I wonder what, I wonder what, we'll be ne- what will be next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of the fun is, like, the, the kind of the cat and mouse bits and all that kind of stuff. Like, it'll be interesting to see if they choose to have them all on the same team for the next movie. Maybe there's, maybe there's more to capitalize on the dynamics between the three of them. I mean, they didn't capitalize a whole lot in the first one. So if we're going to be positive, there's a lot of room for improvement. Untapped potential, (laughs) as they say. Well, they still do have that Interpol agent who is looking for them. But she was so boring, too. Exactly. Let's make her interesting, at least. Yeah. And she She just shows up and yells with her guns (laughs) in her squad. (sighs) And she's not a big enough name to go up against them. So it would yeah. almost need to be like she's taken off the case and it's given to somebody else and they're this like huge movie star and yep. then they have to go after the three. Um, I feel like yeah. that would be the only way that they could do it unless they have a rift between the three. But I mean, yeah. we already tried that in this movie and it didn't work. So. Maybe it would work better if they all are working together but don't trust one another. That could that's be what I think will okay. happen. Yeah, that's my guess. Because they've kind of double crossed each other and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, there's going to be like the paranoia and they can play off yeah. some with that. But they'll kind of still be on the te- on the same team every time. <laughs> yeah. We can already predict what this will be. Ugh, it's not great. Not mm-hmm. a fan of this. All right. Other things we wanted to talk about with this movie. Can we talk about the uh, the whole idea of a father presenting these three eggs to his daughter <laughs> on her wedding day as a gift? And then the whole ceremony that ensued? Because that was kind of a mess. But I also kind of enjoyed it. But I, I have thoughts. Well, let's present the three eggs that um, need to be stolen first at this very large ceremony. <laughs> yes. This makes no sense. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big Ed Sheeran fan, so I loved seeing him just be endearing and ridiculous in this. See, I just, I so love that the dad spent $300 million on these eggs, and she looks up and goes, oh, Ed Sheeran! And then runs. Like, that was that was excellent. It was really yeah. well played. And Ed Sheeran yelling, do you know who I am? Yeah. Yes, we do, Ed. We do. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. <laughs> See, that's the chaos that this movie needs. That's the mm-hmm. ridiculous that this movie needed more of. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a thought, uh, a, a revelation. Unrelated to the movie, but oh, that I had okay. while watching this movie, which is unpopular opinion, but I think because we can't go to theaters now, um, I have choices between my laptop and my home TV in my living room. And I watched this movie on my home TV. And maybe it was a style of movie. I don't know. Maybe it's CGI that was terrible, but I think that this movie would have been a better experience on my laptop 
And mm, yes. I think this is because my home TV is – it's not massive. I think it's maybe like a 50-inch. And I'm about – I'm you know, the couch is far enough away that it doesn't feel as immersive as when my 13-inch laptop is like two feet in front of my face and most of my eyesight, line of sight, my peripheral vision is all focused on the screen. Um, so that was an interesting revelation um, that perhaps – the laptop might be more immersive because I can kind of hone in and focus a little bit more than a smaller home TV farther, sitting farther away. That was my revelation while watching this movie, but I need to validate this because I don't know if it's because of the poor action sequences in this movie that made it uh, a less appealing experience. No, I think that you're, you're correct, but I also think that that's kind of the Netflix model is they make movies that work better on smaller screens. Um, mm. And I yeah. think uh, I think part of it also is like your TV is just going to provide you better video quality. And like the CGI in this was trash. Yeah. It was so bad. And I was like, you spent $200 million on this. You couldn't do your CGI better. <laughs> also, they used way too much of it. But it doesn't look good on your TV. But it yeah. might look okay on your laptop or mm -hmm. your iPod or your iPad or your phone. You know, that might be okay on a small screen. You might not have the level of detail that you have on your TV. And I think that's 100% part of Netflix's model. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, and I think the other factor is potentially like an unconscious expectation with what you watch on your laptop that's a little bit more um, – stripped down a little bit more casual than what you might expect on like a larger screen and just the quality upgrade that I think it's all subconscious, but there might be some of that as well. Just like purely expectations of formats and where you watch your TV shows is the same place that you're watching this movie. There's like a little bit of a um, transfer of expectations perhaps. I don't know. We're going all psychological on this, but I, it's it's interesting to think about. I didn't I didn't see as much of a difference until watching this movie this time on my home TV and feeling like this is – would this have been better on a on a larger screen in a the theater? Like would I have been more invested and more thrilled? And how would this compare with a laptop? And it was kind of interesting to think about those thought exercises. Because mm -hmm. normally we say, oh my gosh, I wish we could have watched this in yeah. theaters. And uh, no, not with this one. Mm -hmm. mm -mm, that would have been torture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that some parts of this film, like especially in some of the, the fight sequences with Gal Gadot and the two men, um, might have felt more like a thrill in a movie theater solely mm -hmm. because of the sound, um, just like the, the surround sound quality and experience and the loudness and volume that comes from that. Um, I think it would have created this like artificial sense of excitement that I just definitely didn't get in my home TV experience. Yeah, that's true. But I don't even know that the theaters could have made this exciting because <laughs> yeah. it just, it really wasn't that exciting, which is sad because we had yeah. some potentially interesting set pieces. But I think mm -hmm. again, when you're not invested in the characters, it, kind of doesn't matter mm -hmm. that's true that's very true they really carry they carry the whole 
the whole emotional core and, mm-hmm. and uh, engagement of the movie. Yeah. This felt long. This felt long for sure. Yes, it did. It should have been 90 minutes, not two hours. <laughs> and you know, the first 30 minutes are kind of fun because yeah. we're just, there's the hope. The hope's still alive. Yep. I would say the first um, 30 minutes of this is also like pretty, like it's exciting enough to like get you, get you interested. Um, but I think it's the middle section that kind of loses this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think once, once we were going to Argentina is when I was like, oh yeah, I'm done with this. Like, I just, I'm sorry. I, I can't with you anymore. <laughs> yep. Once they dusted off the little layer of dirt. Oh my gosh. Just like, it's not hard. Just make it. I don't know if a foot would, a foot might've sufficed. I don't know. You just more than a sprinkling. That's yep. what we needed. Yep. And by then we've spent enough time with Brian Reynolds too. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right. Any other last thoughts about Red Notice? I would love to just give a shout out to mm. the Great British Baking Show, which was on Gal Gadot's TV while she was chilling at home. And it just warmed uh. my little heart because I thought to myself, wow. I have something in common with Gal Gadot, even though I know she's not that character, but it just warmed my heart that she was also spending time with Paul and Prue. So thanks, Great British Baking Show, for making our lives better. The most effective character building moment. Yes. I can bond with anybody (laughs) over British Baking. Empathy building moment between you and character. Absolutely. (laughs) She's got heart, okay? She does. She's well-trained and, and, a, and a massive art thief, but she's got heart. Yeah. She's got a soft side. She's just like the rest of us and just wants to watch British baking after a long day at work. Gosh, <laughs> it's just so human. Yes, she's just like one of us. <laughs> um, I didn't know this at the time, but apparently there was, um, you know, that shot of what's his face? Ryan Reynolds pouring gin, I think, when he arrives mm, back at his yeah. Bali. Apparently, that's his his own line. And I was wondering why there was such a close-up of this drink that he was pouring. And I thought that maybe it was poisoned. But no, it's fine. He's <laughs> drinking it. It all makes sense now. Product mm-hmm. placement. So Indeed. I learned this after watching the movie. Yes, which I do, I I have to say that I thought that this film was going to handle product placement way worse than it did. Uh, There were quite a few product placements, but we have seen worse. So good job, Red Notice, for not being the worst at product placement. No, because there there are some rough ones out there. Yeah, what was the one? We, We reviewed it. Oh, gosh, it was that Will Smith movie. And he went to like kill his his self from a oh, from the gosh. past or something. Yes. Whatever that horrible movie was, that was a rough, <laughs> rough movie with product placement. I remember because I, I counted all of the product placement things right. that I could remember. It oh was a gosh. lot. Yeah, it was like way more than this movie. So Red Notice was and not all, the worst. All like the most obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I forgot about that movie. Gemini even... Man. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That is it. Yep. Also, 
poor CGI. Oh, that was so rough. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, we give Netflix crap, as we should, because they produce a lot of really, really bad movies. But they are not the only ones. But still, Red Notice was rough. No one should watch this. No, they shouldn't. But it seems the world is, (laughs) based on our data. Gosh, it just, it makes me want to watch The Harder They Fall just on a constant loop. Like, if you and I... (laughs) Just watch the harder they fall, just all the time. I love it. Could we, like, single-handedly move that up in Offset the ranks? I mean, I would love to have the harder they fall, just like constantly playing the background. Yeah, it'd be Such great. A good soundtrack. Yes. The dialogue's great. Like, I don't even need the visuals. The dialogue alone can carry that movie. Yes, and then we can well, displace red notice. So. We shall find out if we are affected. No, <laughs> just kidding. Yep. All right. Well, this was our review and discussion of Red Notice. You can find it available on Netflix. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review, letting us know your thoughts about Red Notice. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the Guy Ritchie film, Wrath of Man. We hope you all have an amazing week and we'll see you next week.